Hey there, and welcome back, questers, to the SQHQ with another episode of Success Quest. Uh, I'm Caleb Valle. We've been getting really into having all of these awesome interviews with all these very incredibly gifted people, uh, people who have uh, amazing experience and awesome stories. Today, especially, um, we're going to be tuning into an interview that Jacob did with a guy named Peter. He has something he wants to share with everybody. This is going to be really awesome. So let's go ahead and just jump straight in to everything that Jacob and Peter discussed today. It's going to be awesome. So stay tuned in. Well, I am happy to have Peter Schmitz here with me. Uh, did I say that right, Schmitz? Yeah, you got it. That's uh, There's a TZ at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I always worry about pronouncing people's names wrong. That's one of the things that I do all the time. So, But I'm really excited to have you here today, Peter, because we've connected on LinkedIn and you produce some amazing content on LinkedIn. I've really been enjoying the videos that you put out there and just the amazing questions that you that you pose and the conversations that ensue in the comment section. So I, I was looking at all these and I'm like, man, we need to have Peter on the show. He's He's got some good insights to share. So welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing well. Uh, happy Saturday, first off. Yeah, yeah it's been uh, it's been it's been good. I uh, I went to UW Madison and they're uh, they're currently playing a, a football game. So I was uh, checking out a little bit of that. I had an appointment <laughs> at, at noon, and uh, so it looks like they're up. So that's good. Oh, good. Well, we'll make this not too long. That way, you can get back to the game, <laughs> check in on the score. <laughs> um, not not too worried. Not too worried. Awesome. Well, one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about, Peter, is. It seems to me, I, and I, I, we've never actually met in person. We're just kind of m- met online, and this is our first time really having a, a face-to-face conversation. But it looks like you have a full-time job. It seems like it's in IT, right? Yeah. And, but then you also have a bunch of side hustles and a bunch of things that you're doing on the side. So can you tell us just a little bit about that and maybe the story behind it of how you got where you're at? Yeah, absolutely. So currently full-time, I work in more of that IT business analyst type of role. Um, so, so professionally background, I, I work in healthcare analytics and, and have a hybrid role of business analyst, project management. But my focus above and beyond that is really where a lot of the content that I put out on LinkedIn stems from. And the story behind that is, is it goes back several years. You know, I've been working on, on side hustles for about the last five and a half years um, pretty, with a pretty focused intention. You know, really, really that just stemmed from being connected with several individuals that I really saw a purpose to team up and develop a long-term relationship with. And so that was actually while I was under an undergrad at UW-Madison. And for me, um, really what ended up sparking things, really where, where things ended up leading is, uh, is I, had a, I had a roommate of all things in, in undergrad who um, his, his cousins happened to have scaled out several side hustles in parallel with their career, really <laughs> allowing them to, to replace a teaching salary, allowing them to replace a commercial banking salary. And uh, through that, I got connected with them, started to develop a relationship. And over about the last five, five and a half years, they've, they've really just been willing to coach and train me to start to emulate what they've been mm-hmm. able to create. And so now today, uh, a lot of what I do is really in that realm of, of building out my side hustles. And specifically, um, you know, one thing that I've done is, is um, built out uh, a, a company that just sort of coaches. And this is more for fun, but built out a, a company that coaches and trains people how to properly refinance and manage their student loans. Um, that's definitely more of a passion project, not my main focus. But my main focus is actually building out several different income streams, um, really building out an independent franchise and education company. Uh, that my my business coaches um, had built out as well. 
and they had the ability to really pay that forward and, and begin to coach me over the last five years. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned having multiple income streams and is part of that just the desire to to have more money or is it more diversifying kind of a security in case you ever lost your job? Kind of what's the idea behind having multiple income streams and why is that important? Yeah, well, I think short term in your 20s, barring what you maybe have going on in your personal life, like if you have a family, uh, it's a different ballgame. But for me, I have a girlfriend, so I, I am dating, but I don't have any kids. So I could very much get away with having just one income stream. Right. But so for me, from the financial component, it definitely is um, long term to have multiple streams of income to offer more security to a future family, to offer more security in that realm. Mm-hmm. But I also think another big component for me is the ability to have something that I'm really working towards personally. Uh-huh. And I see a lot of individuals, you know, in, in their 20s, maybe for me, my background was I grew up, I was a very competitive athlete. I played hockey at a high level. I played ba- uh, baseball at a high level. And for me, I always had that release or I always had that vehicle in my life where after school, after 3 p.m. Uh-huh. let out, I had something that I was working towards that I was really looking forward to. Yeah. And so for yeah. me, I did not want to, you know, spend a bunch of my time at happy hour, spend a bunch of my time just sort of watching TV in the evenings and, and make that my main focus. Not that I don't do those things every once in a while, mm-hmm. but it also gave me that ability to really embark on that competitive edge that I really leaned on when I was younger. So I would say short term, it's been something that's really been fueled from that drive to go above and beyond and create something based off of my past experiences in life. And then absolutely, I think, um, you know, long term, it's that ability to develop several income streams. The reason I'm so long on having a good side hustle and really approaching entrepreneurship from a side hustle perspective Mm -hmm. is that you have the ability to really lean on your plan A to pay your bills. Right. And so if, if you are really, if you're building out a company and you're younger and you don't necessarily have the foresight or the vision or really the ability to embrace a bunch of risk, then you end up sort of backpedaling a lot or you start leaning on your company or trying to take money out of it too, too quickly. And it ends up really backfiring in your face. So for me, I'm a big fan of building something in your plan A, using that, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours a week to to develop a good career and then use that spare time that you have and really go above and beyond. And I think that's the really practical way that I approach things. I did not have it in my DNA to to live in my parents' basement and scale something from the ground up, but I also (laughs) didn't have it in my DNA to not do anything. So, so that's really, that's really a bit of my journey. Um, and also a little bit of, of, of why I built several, several income streams and why I've really focused on developing a side hustle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, in my situation, it's, it's very similar. Mm -hmm. I do it also 40 hour week job and that pays for the bills that pays our mortgage. I mean, I have a wife and a few kids and so I, I do have a little more risk there where, if if something fails, I have people that are leaning on me. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. A couple mouths, mouths to feed. Absolutely. I, I mean, if it was just me, I'd be all for the full on entrepreneurial life, but, but I just can't do that anymore. But then I do, I'm building this, this success quest business on the side. Right. And, and I, I totally feel you when you said you just have to have something you're doing when you get out, out of work. Because that's kind of the way I am. My mind just won't stop. I have to have something that I'm working on and something that I'm passionate about. Because sometimes work Mm -hmm. can also get a little mundane and repetitive. So I need something that really fulfills me. But just to play devil's advocate a little bit here. um, There are people out there who would 
who would push back on that and say, no, if you want to do the entrepreneurial life, you need to go all in. Mm -hmm. You need to drop your job. You need to focus 100% on it or else it's never going to become anything. What would you say to people that, that maybe think that way? Yeah, I would say that it really depends and they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. And the vehicles that I've chosen to use actually don't allow me to go and really spend 30, 40 hours to actually develop. I build my companies out with a spare 10, 15, 20 hours a week. Mm. So maybe their vehicle requires that. Maybe their company requires that to go all in and build something Uh from the ground up. I mean, if if they're selling off equity in their company, if they're building something a little more traditionally from the ground up, Absolutely. I think that that might warrant that ability to go all in. Mm-hmm. Now it's also up to that person too. So I talk a lot about this, but I, I believe there's a big spectrum of entrepreneurship in this world. And uh, I would say that, that there's two extremes. There's mm-hmm. 10% of the people who don't want to do anything and are okay with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's fine. And then there's 10% of the people who are hardcore entrepreneurs and are going to change something and are going to l- create this big vision and can onboard all of that risk. Mm-hmm. I was not in either one of those buckets. I was not the next Steve Jobs that was going to build out Apple from the ground right. up and make it into a trillion dollar company. So I think it's also about being realistic about what, what do you currently in your capacity have, what can you work towards? And so for me, I identified in that 80%. And as I said, you know, I'm somewhere maybe in that 60, 70%. I had, I had built an eBay company when I was younger, you know, Uh selling stuff online and I had ambitions to start a side hustle, but I also went the college route. So for me, when I look back at myself, I wasn't necessarily that hardcore entrepreneur. And I also didn't have parents that were hardcore entrepreneurs. So I didn't necessarily know what that meant. Mm-hmm. So I think that for me, it's, it's about self-identifying or self-realizing where you are, what your capacity is to really onboard that risk into your life or whatever you are looking to, what your business vehicle requires for you to build it out and how much time, money, investment that's going to take. So I would say to, to answer your devil's advocate question, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think there's a wrong answer to it. It's about what are you looking to create? What is the vehicle require of you? And how can you properly invest into that? <laughs> yeah, it, it's not one size fits all, right? There's not one correct answer. And so to all of you that are out there listening right now, that that's a big thing. Take a look at yourself and your own life and your own risk tolerance and figure out what's best for you. Maybe the normal career, just go nine to five every day is what you need. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to do a side hustle or maybe you do need to jump in with both feet into an entrepreneurial venture. So think about yourself and what you need and the type of personality and person that you are. That, that makes perfect sense to me. Thanks, Peter. So another thing that I kind of want to dive into a little, and you mentioned it already, is one of your, your side hustles is about um, finance and helping people get out of debt, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just reading off your LinkedIn profile right now, but it looks like you got out of $30,000 in student loans in just 18 months. What's the secret? Like how, how do you do that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, well it came through good coaching and having a good personal economy in place. So my business coaches, as they, as they started to teach me how to build out several income streams and build out several side hustles, they started with developing a solid personal economy. Mm Mm-hmm. And so for me, since I had met them at a young age and while I was still in college, when I transitioned into the real world, I was very, very intentional about how I spent my money and still tried to live like a college student. Yeah. 
So I could go, I could go in a three hour clinic on how I went to, how I went about doing that, how I went about, uh, you know, (laughs) sacrificing certain things. But I think at a high level, it's what are your financial goals? So for me, I stepped out of, I, I stepped out of college and I realized one of my first things that I wanted to do was pay off my student loan debt. Mm -hmm. So I realized I had about $30,000 worth of student loan debt. And from there, I made a plan that after the six month, after that six month barrier where you have the, you don't have to make a payment on it is how quickly could I do that? And so I think coming out of school for me, I worked to maximize the income that I could create for my job. And then I worked to minimize my expenses. Mm -hmm. So at a very high level, I think it's very practical when you're stepping out of school to live as humbly as possible and then continue to do so. And so I didn't do things like go out to eat a lot. I didn't go out and, you know, party a lot where I was wasting a lot of money on things. And I think that a lot of people end up going out for a night and, and they, they make 50 grand, they come out of school, they make 50 grand and they end up absolutely skyrocketing, skyrocketing their, their, um, their expenses. Mm-hmm. And so what happens for most people is they end up making a few mistakes when they step out into, into the real world is they, they go from making negative $10,000 a year or $20,000 right. a year to now making $50,000 a year as an example. And then they forget about taxes. So they're, they're calculating their expenses and what they can spend based off of their gross income versus their net income. And then on top of that, they make a few, a series of a few financial decisions that really set them back. And so by that, I mean, number one, they, they live in a place that's too expensive. Mm -hmm. So I I went to school at UW-Madison. I saw a lot of folks go down to, and a lot of my peers moved to Chicago, nothing wrong with moving to Chicago, but there's a, but it becomes a much more expensive lifestyle, especially if you live in a really nice place. Mm -hmm. So now rent is up to $1,500 a month where it was $500 in undergrad. Right. And then you look at financing a car. <laughs> so you pile on a car payment on top of that and you buy too nice of a car. That's another big area. And, and you're not actually really getting anything for a car. And there's a big, there's a big range of what you can buy. Then they live a very lavish lifestyle. So going out and by lavish, I don't mean like planes and jets and all these right. things, but buying nice drinks, going out too much and then spending a hundred, two hundred dollars a night when they go out. Right. And then from there, since they had that six month barrier, they actually didn't budget for their personal expenses. They didn't budget for those, those student loans. And then they end up when that time comes at the end of the month or at the end, when it comes November, December time to make that first payment, they were living fine. They were living clean, but then they realize, okay, I have another three, $400 that I have to shell out this month. And then they, they end up eating themselves alive from the get go. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest thing is initially is just being really conscious of some of those big and small decisions financially and setting up a good budget for yourself. Because for me, by really managing those things, I, when I came out of school, my rent actually dropped. I went, I went from paying about seven, six, $700 a month in undergrad, uh, my senior year and my, first year out of college when my, my income skyrocketed, I was paying $386 in rent. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) And, and one of the things that I've noticed, I recently graduated, I graduated last December and we just barely bought a house, but it's more than just when, when you're buying a house, Mm -hmm. you think, okay, there's a mortgage payment and you calculate it all, but there's more than just that because now that you own a house, there's, there's insurance and Mm -hmm. there's, there's property taxes and you've got to furnish that house, right? Because once you have an, a huge empty space, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden you want it to look nice so that you can invite people over. So you kind of have to think about all that too. When you're investing into a big purchase, mm-hmm. like a home or something like that, if you're going to be in a nice neighborhood, all your neighbors are going to have nice cars. So now you feel like you have to buy a nice car. So there's a lot that goes into it. And 
living a frugal lifestyle, especially when you're already used to it, right? A college student lifestyle, you were fine. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) I was fine at college. I was living super, super poor, but like we were surviving and we, we can definitely keep living that way or at least a lot in a lot of ways that way. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. Makes a lot of sense. You've mentioned multiple times the importance of the connections that you have with people, um, with mentors or with, with coaches. Mm-hmm. How, how did you come in contact with these people that have made such a big difference in your life? And how did you nurture those relationships so that, so that they could help you out? And I'm sure that the relationship is also reciprocal, that you help them and they help you. How, talk a little bit about relationships and people. Yeah. So how I came about it, it was actually what I mentioned a little bit earlier through through actually my roommate in college who was, who was actually cousins with them. And so I developed a relationship with with my business coaches. And, and at the time, like I said, they were they had skilled multiple side hustles, were able to you know really step out of corporate America in their 20s and 30s. And so for me, when I got connected with them, I just really realized that was a component of life that I really wanted to get advice in. I really wanted to create success in. Mm -hmm. And when I began to embark on a relationship with them, I began to own that relationship. And I think that a lot of times if you Mm -hmm. come across somebody successful, if you come across somebody who could really have a profound impact in your life, it's about you owning that relationship versus that person owning the relationship because you have a lot more to gain from it. Hmm. So me, as I was in the mentee type of role, right. role, and they were in really that mentor type of role, I had the I had the ability to really drive the relationship, cultivate the relationship. And so I took ownership over that. I did not take ownership over what I could bring to the plate because they were really bringing the knowledge and the know-how and all of the thought process to the plate. I was bringing that. I was humble. I was accountable. I was really willing to learn from them. Right. And I see what happens. I, so for me, I think what's, what's really was a unique component of the way that I approach business ownership is I think a lot of times people go into business ownership and they end up approaching it from that component of what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So I want to start a company. What's my idea or what is right. the, what is the service I'm going to sell? Right. Uh-huh. So you now, you now come up with this. Yeah. You now try and come up with an idea. Whereas I went to who can I learn from? Hmm, I like that. And the reason being, as I said, you know, I phrase this to a lot of individuals as I, as I really have conversations with them, as I say, let's, if I give you two people that are going to, that are going to start a business, one comes with the next best idea. And the other one comes and says, I'm going to be coached by Jeff Bezos. Which person are you going to bet on? And so what's interesting is if you look at it, Jeff Bezos now has the know-how. So if you're going to sell toothpicks or you're going to build Solar City together, I'm going to bet on the guy that is connected and learning from <laughs> Jeff Bezos. And so what that allows, allows you to do is really capture what it takes to create success because we all know Jeff Bezos has created success in a lot of different areas, right? And uh, you know he's now built Amazon up and it's, it's become very successful. But what that allows you to do is actually detach from the vehicle that's going to have you create success. So one thing that my business coaches told me is they said, Peter, we want you to really focus in on who you're listening to versus exactly what you're going to do. I said, okay, explain that to me. They said, well, most people go through life and I'm sitting in Madison and, and you're in Salt, Salt Lake. Um, so <laughs> actually I'm in Wyoming. Um, Oh, Wyoming. Okay. Okay, cool. My cool. co-founder is in Salt Lake and I was in school back in Utah. So, but I moved home. I'm originally from Wyoming. So I'm back here. Okay, since cool. Success Quest is kind of virtual anyways. We're, we're still doing it. But yeah, yeah it was in Utah. Now I'm in Wyoming. <laughs> 
Okay, cool. So let's say we're both sitting in Wyoming uh-huh. and we both want to get to Hawaii. And let's say you're very set on using a $500,000 Lamborghini to get to Hawaii, but I'm okay buying a $1,000 plane ticket. Uh-huh. I'm going to reach the destination because I'm flexible on the vehicle. And so what they said is most people end up going through life and they become so set on the vehicle that they have to bend on the results that they want to create. Mm-hmm. And they said by really tapping into somebody who's where you want to be, you can now be flexible on the vehicle and then be firm on the results that you want to create in life. Right. And either way you get to Hawaii. So the result yeah. is the same. Uh huh. Well, if you take the Lamborghini, you might end up in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> that too, that too. <laughs> and if anyone can sell a toothpick, it's Jeff Bezos. So exactly, I'll go sell toothpicks with him. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So really, it's more about the people and the learning and the mentorship than it is even mm-hmm. about the idea or the business, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, at least in my experience, that's what I have seen and by teaming up with individuals who are established or who already have uh, a knowledge. I mean, it's, it's how we, it's how we approach every area of life. I mean, if you want to become, I was a hockey player. If you want to become a good hockey player, first thing you do is find a good coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And then these business coaches, is this a, a coach relationship where you're paying them for business coaching or is it just that you happen to be good friends with them and they give you good advice? And what do you recommend when it comes to finding a coach and should you pay for one? Yeah, I think it really depends on your vehicle. In my case, I was able to really develop a business partnership. So it's not like that life coach type of thing where I'm paying them. I actually don't, I actually don't pay them out of pocket. Um, I've been able Mm -hmm. to develop some businesses where we're both financially vested in it so that we both have a a dual degree to, to now go out there and create success. And so I think that I think when you go to find individuals is, is just be smart. Look at, look at all areas of their life, right? If you're, I think if you're getting coaching in one area or you're trying to develop a skill set, you can find someone who's really skilled in one area. But for me, I wanted to approach it from more of a holistic view of, okay, what, what do their relationships look like? What is their, what is their health look like? What is, you know, what are their, what does their family look like? What does their finances look like? And not that I need to know every in and out, but how were they successful in those, in those areas? Cause I didn't want to create like a bunch of income and create a bunch of success and then mess up the family in the process. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think a very important thing. Too many people get so laser focused on making more money that they completely forget about their relationships and the other important parts of life. So that's huge. But I guess the important thing is finding people that you can learn from finding people that that are role models to you and attaching yourself to them so that you can learn from them. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Absolutely. Another question I have for you then, since we talked a little bit about balance and, and the importance of family and things, what exactly does success mean to you, Peter? Like imagine your perfect successful life, like the end result, the Hawaii, what is that to you? Yeah. Well, I think it's ever evolving for me. I really, I really have embraced the journey of it. I really have embraced the, you know, the struggles and the sacrifices that have to be made. But, but down the road, I think for me, some of the things that really key into success for me are, are really that ability to have a solid family, really that ability to have a great family relationship and, and be able to provide my kids a, a, a life and be able to provide my, my future family a life that, that they really deserve. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. And I think the other thing is really having an arena that I can create success in. And what's great about building something personally 
is that you then have co- total control over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For and sure. so I think a lot of times yeah. people's people's end goal is like, I want to just work really hard so I can retire and do nothing. That's not necessarily my goal. I'm, I don't think I could sit on the couch and do nothing for more than a day or maybe more than two hours. So part of success is actually continuing to work. Uh-huh. And so I think, so for me, what I've realized is that passion is something that's developed over time. And when I pursued my businesses, I did not pursue them from a, like, what is my passion? But because I continued to pursue them, passion began to be developed Mm -hmm. around that, around those vehicles and around what I was pursuing. Mm -hmm. So to me, success, a big component of it is, is what does my health look like? What does my spirituality look like? What does my family, what do my relationships look like? And then what does my, what does my business and my income streams look like? Because I think when you can tie, when you can tie all four of those together, then you're really able to create a platform where you, know, you can choose and customize things that you want to do in your life. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense to me. I've, I've started to notice that it really is about the journey because for me, I enjoy just working on stuff. I, I enjoy improving and becoming better each day. And once I get to the top of the mountain, I know that there's going to be another higher mountain in the horizon that I need to mm-hmm. reach. So I, I totally feel that. Um, and I love the, that idea about flexibility and being able to construct your own life and build it the way mm-hmm. you want. Because too many people are living and be, their lives are dictated by others, by their boss or by mm-hmm. by society or by whatever. So that's really, really awesome. Yeah. And I think it's, I think I heard a cool quote one time. It just said, you know, it's one of my favorite things to do when you're sitting in Wyoming. So you might like this as well as snowboarding or skiing. I don't know if you're a skier or a snowboarder. I, I, I've never gone snowboarding. I have skied and I love it. I'm not great at it though. I'm pretty horrible, okay, but I enjoy okay, cool. it. <laughs> so you love it. Yeah. So you love it, right? So you love the idea of skiing uh-huh. and, and even you like going out there, but somebody, uh, somebody who had built a successful company once said, he just said, if you were, if you had to ski every single day from eight to five within an hour lunch break and you only get two days off or sorry, two weeks off a year, you're probably not going to like it as much mm-hmm. three, four, five years down the road. And so it's not that I don't like what I do full time. It's not that I don't like things in my side hustles. It's just, if you have to do something that often or that frequently, you, you end up becoming a little bit trapped by that and, and anything might fizzle out because you just have to spend so much time on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you also mentioned that passion does grow. I mean, as you do something, you learn to love it and you learn to like it, but it can also just become too mundane and too routine. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to mix things up for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, is there any other tips or recommendations or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, I think the biggest advice that I've received is that you have to embrace that journey component and play for the long run and surround yourself with individuals who want to really push you in that direction of where you want to go and are willing to really work with you in that process. Not that everybody needs to be moving at the same speed that you are at that you're surrounding yourself, but they, they understand where you're going. They're on the same page as you and really surrounding yourself with that, that good support system. And the other big component is think out over the next 5, 10, 15 years of what you want to create. I mean, if you're in your early 20s right now, if no matter where you're at, but especially if you're there and you don't have a lot of, you know, baggage and baggage and I mean, you, know, you don't have a lot of other things to take care of outside of yourself, <laughs> then you can really figure out a way to set your life up to create success. And so that's been my big walk in my early 20s is how can I continue to just set myself up so that the trajectory long term 
is a lot different than what I don't want or some of my peers. And not that, not that it's a competition against my peers, Mm -hmm. but I, but you have to embrace those private victories first. So I realized, you know, getting out of debt, it wasn't, it wasn't sexy to, you know, be eating, (laughs) you know, be eating ramen or doing some of those things to get out of $30,000 worth of student loan debt. And especially when it was still at $21,000. And I was only two or three months or four months into the journey and it was still at 21,000. The end feels very far away because it was over a year away. But because of those private victories and those things that I continued to hold myself accountable to, I was able to celebrate the public victory of of paying off the debt and now actually pay that forward. So embrace the private victories and embrace the journey because that's really nothing. It takes 10 years to become an overnight success. And uh, (laughs) it really is about that day to day, what you put in. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Peter. And if our audience wants to connect with you, where's the best place they can find you? Obviously, LinkedIn seems to be a good spot. Where else can they see what you're doing online? Yeah, the best the best spot's going to be LinkedIn. I that is my main that's my main focus. Um, I do I am on other social media platforms, but for for purposes of where we're at, absolutely LinkedIn. So it's Peter Schmitz, S C H M I T Z. And uh, yeah, I release weekly content, you know, three, four times a week. And, you know, have a bunch of articles on there. So that's going to be the best platform, the best medium to go out and get an idea of, of really who I am, what I'm working towards. And I recommend if, if you connect with some of the things that I'm I, where I'm at and what I've shared and, and you're in a similar position, definitely reach out, send me a message. I do a lot of, I, that's one of the most overlooked components on LinkedIn mm-hmm. is, is direct messaging. people. Absolutely. And I, I just want to second that guys go check out Peter on LinkedIn. He has some amazing content and great conversations on his posts. Definitely go and check him out on LinkedIn. Thank you so much, Peter. I've learned a lot. Yeah. Thanks Jacob. Enjoyed, enjoyed the show and, and look forward to look forward to the growth of success quest. It's been fun to watch you as well and look forward to, to continuing to, to observe and, and potentially, you know, just continue to watch your journey on, on building it out. Well, thank you. We're just starting. There's a long journey ahead, but it's exciting. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. All right, Questers. What you just heard was this amazing interview with Jacob and Peter. Uh, we want to send a shout out to Peter. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with us. And and we're just so excited to implement all of this, these newfound ways to view success. I think that's the real reason we're all here today. We all want to... Um, kind of change our perception of success and be able to see it through under a different light so that we can get one step closer to accomplishing what it is that we want to accomplish in life. So um, questers, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, do not forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can look us up on LinkedIn, even or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Most importantly, go to our website at www.mysuccessquest.com. And subscribe to our, our our weekly newsletter. We want to get your email addresses so you guys can get all the new updates. And another reminder for our live events that we're going to be having on the 26th of October. Uh, we were just so, we had so, uh, such a good response from our virtual events. And we were going to have a live event previously. But because of all the people who wanted to watch online, we decided to do that. And now we're actually getting a huge response for people coming to see us live. Um, we're going to have Jody Cedric there. And we're going to have his wife. I mean, both of them are just titans in this arena. And they're just incredible examples. So get excited. If you guys already haven't, check us out on our website. Subscribe to us. Get a ticket. We're going to be coming out with the venue hopefully this weekend. I've looked at a few places already. And I I just have to decide which one I like the most. 
And then um, just get excited. Tell your friends, tell your family, share us, rate us on, on our podcast. I know there's a lot of things I'm telling you to do, but questers, if you really want to get involved in helping spread the, the value that we can add to people's lives, you need to share. That's the only way you can really help us. So thanks again for tuning in, guys, and have a successful 